Welcome to Season 2, Episode 50 of Beyond the Zero. I'm your host, Ben. Joining me today is Ryan O'Connor. Ryan is an author. His debut novel, The Voids, is out now through Scribe Publishing. He joins me from his home in Glasgow. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Hi, Ben. Lovely to, to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Um, how has uh, summer been in Scotland? Summer has been warm. It's been uh, warm and unusually sunny. And yeah, it's been it's been lovely. It's a strange, obviously, because these it's kind of there's such a lovely weather under such strange circumstances with everything that's going on, kind of uh, globally, and even kind of I guess maybe some of the reasons why the weather's been so 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 lovely with regards to climate change. It's been a kind of it's kind of uh, strange living in a kind of bit of a bit of a weird kind of juxtaposition of this 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 kind of beautiful weather that we're not. Like such consistent beautiful weather here that we're not so used to with all this other stuff that's going on around and in the background but but that says on on the ground here in glasgow it has been a uh, uh, quite 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 glorious it's been a good summer it's been a good summer yeah it's kind of a bit paradoxical because then we're like well actually this is really weird because it shouldn't be like this but i do enjoy kind of that yeah. you know unseasonable warmth sometimes or uh, occasionally unseasonable cold which we get here i'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here but i know you're going to kind of probably ask later uh, about um, uh, like gateway stuff and gateway books because you know, I haven't listened to your podcast and stuff before. And one of the one of the the, the it was more kind of it was a gateway kind of song during this particular time in my life when I was much younger is the Buddy Holly song. Um, it's raining in my heart and mm. and as the sun is out, the light, the sun is out, the sky is blue. There's not a cloud in sight to view, but it's raining, raining in my heart, and it's got you know there's a, there's that kind of the weather can sometimes do that. I think is when it's when the weather is really beautiful um, and there's other stuff going on. It can almost make as a kind of strange kind of like you were saying that kind of just kind of touch on that paradox. That it kind of almost uh, um, amplifies a sadness. If that mm. if that makes oh, sense. Absolutely. Yeah. But, you know. Um, you know. It, it almost feels like it almost feels like in a way that things are. It should be raining and dark, and and it's mm. not. It's just glorious sunshine, and that kind of has been a kind of strange juxtaposition which kind of ties into what I was saying at the start and what you were kind of saying there just now yeah. but I just thought playing that in there while it was in my head yeah yeah completely you've got two young kids as well um how's mm-hmm. your summer been like you know hanging out with them over summer it's been great we didn't go we didn't we've got I've got a six-year-old and an 11 months old and because of the the wee one we decided we decided not to go away and just kind of um um uh, stay in Scotland which was good because it meant that there wasn't the kind of, you know, sometimes it can be a bit chaotic and the kind of madness and the kind of stress and stuff of going away, but it's meant that we've just kind of went away from, for nice days and I've had the chance to spend a lot of quality time with my, like my six-year-old and also with the, the 11-month-old, but it's mm. not quite as quite as, as a, a cognizant of what's going on as, as, as knowing my six-year, six-year-old. But it's been great, yeah, it's been good to to spend time with them and get a chance to just have nice kind of 
lazy, easy days of going for drives or going to the beach and, you know, yeah. just hanging out and hanging out in the, in the sunshine. Yeah, it's been good. It's been really good, actually. Yeah. Sounds really it's good. It's been nice. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we'll start with Glasgow. It's a city. I know you grew up in there. Um, and it's got a huge amount of culture. It's got a huge amount of history. It's also got a bit of a reputation, I guess, of being a little bit rough at times uh, with a bit of poverty and things like that. But what has your experience been like living in Glasgow growing up there? Well, yeah, actually, I, I was born in a town called Falkirk, which is about um, an hour or so from here, but moved to Glasgow when I was uh, 14, 15 initially. And I was back and forth a little bit when I was so, and then I turned 50. Uh, just I made a few uh, on March in March. I'm trying to remember when I turned fifty. When you get to fifty, you start to forget. <laughs> you start to forget things. Or I did. Um, yeah, so I've been here for what for uh, 30, for about thirty five years. So um, although I didn't grow up in here, I spent yeah most of my most of my life on and off here. Um, and I've always loved it. I mean, I love Glasgow. I've always loved Glasgow. It's just such a an affinity with the place. I mean, it's got a reputation for for being hard, but I think it's it's um, it's I think really it's, it's an honest city. I think is, and I think there might there might be a kind of a kind of a toughness. There really, I think there's a toughness that comes uh, goes hand in hand with with honesty, if you know. And I think that that's what it's for me. It's it's an it's an honest city. It kind of tells you it tells you in one way or another what it thinks of you. Either the people do, or this something about the spirit, spirit of the city itself that it does. So, you know, even though, even when I went away from Glasgow, I've always, um, I've always looked forward to, to coming back. And you know, and as far as the kind of, the hardness goes, and the kind of the idea of the kind of the the the, the toughness of the city. I mean, it does have that. It's always had that. But I mean, I guess most cities, most cities have that. Glasgow, just had a. Uh, has a particularly colourful um, reputation, which is probably partly to do with a lot of the, the the literature as well that's come out of Glasgow is often kind of, I don't know if it's not so much, not necessarily, it's not celebrated that at all. Sorry, it's definitely the wrong way to put it, but it's, um, it's spoke of it and, you know, and it's, 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 it's it kind of guess it's become part of the, the culture here. But I personally, I've never had any, any, trouble um in glasgow i've had more trouble in other cities in fact i've only been i've only been mugged once in scotland i mean properly mugged knocked out still got a scar in my head to, to prove it and that was in stockbridge in edinburgh which mm. <laughs> and if you know if you know it if you know uh, stockbridge in edinburgh yeah. that's a that's a very um um Quite upmarket, Lovely. isn't it? Yeah, upmarket posh area. Yeah. I've never had in all the kind of crazy places I've been in Glasgow, and I've been in a lot of crazy places and a lot of crazy situations. Um, apart, perhaps I've obviously just been really lucky. I've never actually gone into trouble here. And the one place I would, I was, I was mugged was in was in Stockbridge one evening. Yeah, and um, so you know, I yes, yeah, honestly, it's a, it's a, it's a got, it's got, you know, it's, it's, it's a bit of a cliche in a sense. It's got kind of a tough exterior, but uh, you know, I really. A really soft, beating heart. I think you know, mm. kind of tender heart anyway, and a fair heart. Yeah. Yeah. I I know we were talking about before the fact that I think with COVID and with young kids and with all the other factors that, um, I guess dominate life of people who are in their middle age, like us. 
<laughs> but that said, what are the best things about? You look Kuna? much stronger, Ben. You look very. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't worry, I'm I'm not trailing you. Uh, yeah, I'm not that far behind you, mate. <laughs> not far behind at all. So, but like, what are the things that you know that kind of thrill you about living in Glasgow? What do you do? Like, when you do go out, like, what should I do when I'm a tourist when I go there? Well, oh, do you know what? It really is difficult to say. And it's been so long since I think because, like as you say, because I've got kids and because I've been and the pandemic's changed a lot. I haven't been out for. a a while, but I did I mean it used to have an amazing and I'm sure it still does have a music an amazing music scene. So there was just lots of great music venues um that I would definitely in the past make a, or I would suggest if you're into that kind of thing, making an effort to 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 go to um I, I just you know, I just think I think the thing about Glasgow is just walking around and, and just soaking up the atmosphere of the place and um the the people um i mean architecturally it's got some amazing architecture and some ma- amazing buildings but I, again without i'm not putting this i don't want to sound like i'm putting the city down here but we haven't i mean as you know because you asked me to say a positive positive thing here but um we haven't looked after the city or the city fat so-called city fathers haven't looked after the city and there's so uh, so many derelict buildings here and so much of the city has just been left to 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 go to to ruin, unfortunately, a lot of the great old buildings are, you know, they're they're I think sometimes almost intentionally just left to 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 go to ruin so the um, developers can move in and you know and get them for a get them for a song and, and turn them into some something else. So I mean, yeah, I would I would I mean, you know, there's great there's a, there's great museums. There's there's a there was a really great music scene. There was a fantastic um, uh, contemporary art scene. I think that you know that's still a really vibrant scene here. So I would just check out the uh, these are these are kind of this is a kind of the, the venues of these things are quite quite movable and changing, especially with with um, uh, like post COVID. Um, a lot of places have closed down. A lot of new stuff are is a lot of new stuff opening up. So that that would be the things I would I can't give mm-hmm. you any names here, but that would definitely be what I would set uh, uh, kind of search for I'd look for kind of where the music was happening and because there's always great music coming out here and, and uh, you know the, con- the contemporary art and stuff and just just wandering around them um, like go to the bars still mm. got lots of great old bars yeah and just meet meet the people of Glasgow that's the kind of that, that would be my recommendation to be honest yeah and you know there's a cathedral and there's a acropolis and there's there's lots of there's lots of great kind of touristy places you can visit but my 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 advice would be if you're on your own i don't know if you're coming with your family of it'd be different but, I, but my, mm-hmm. if you've got young kids and stuff but my advice would be to to uh, just just hang out just hang out in the the old bars and you know meet some glaswegians basically <laughs> sounds good to me okay cool <laughs> i guess leading on from that and what you were saying about the abandoned buildings and stuff like that i think it leads on really well to your book but like in my reading about Glasgow um, in the past, like I know about things like the Red Road Flats, which were, you know, government subsidized housing. And there's quite a bit of that around Glasgow. And like a lot of these buildings are now kind of like I know in Melbourne, they did the same thing where they ended up having these massive apartment towers and end up trying to spread people out into the city and um, ended up. In Melbourne, they still have these massive towers here, but I know in Glasgow, like a lot of these towers are just condemned buildings 
and that kind of sets the scene for your novel. But um, do you want to tell us about those those housing developments in Glasgow as they are now? Well, I mean, you should probably say a wee bit about the background of them first of all, in the sense that the you know initially they weren't they weren't they were they were initially they were um uh, what's the word I'm looking for they were you know they were kind of aspirational places mm. to 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 move into and they were uh, had a kind of touch of the kind of almost almost a kind of utopian ideal to them a kind of you know Kabuse's idea of the future of of living these you know and so initially when they were built in the kind of late well kind of late 60s early 70s um they were seen as places that people really wanted to to move into because i mean the like glasgow had been full of um the, the famous tenements and one of the most famous areas i guess in the in the gorbals and these places have become I, it's a word that I, I, I'm loath to use, but they had become almost like you know, become slum like. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were unlivable, and they were, um, they, they, you know, they took a, took a wrecking ball to all these old tenements and places, and uh, moved people out into what these sort of, these big kind of shining new amazing high rises. And initially, um, people were. You know they were they were grateful to be there. They were they were they were they were happy there. They had running water. They had the electricity. They had things that they just didn't have, and they had obviously they had amazing amazing views, and they were they were clean and they were new. And, um, they didn't they didn't start off as these you know as, as these as these troubled places, but I guess with a combination of factors of um, unemployment in the eighties, you know, a lot of kind of industry Glasgow was you know. Famous for its industry, its shipbuilding and whatnot. There was a lot of unemployment and obviously less less money, more drugs moving in, um, uh, and and also the the high rises themselves um, are they're they're really expensive to to maintain mm. the high rises and they were maintained less and less. And the people who live in them live in them living within them, um, you, you know. We're living lives that were becoming tougher and tougher. So the whole thing, it was a kind of perfect storm to, to kind of for for these places to then to to fall into this kind of moral or, or seen as a kind of moral and also architectural and physical decay and 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 a state state of disrepair, you know. Um, but it wasn't always like that. Um, but now, yeah, I mean now, now it is glad. I mean it is largely like that. I think, and I mean a lot of the high rises, you know, they've been reclad, and you know, look at people that live there in communities. Try to, you know, they've obviously a lot of them do have made against for trying to make them work and um, make them good and lovely places to live. But but many of them, yeah, a lot of them have been a lot of them have been knocked down. Um, and for a while, a lot of them, the, the ones that haven't been knocked down but are still lived in, um, they're in pretty poor state in all sorts of ways. And, you know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. They'll move, they'll move, they'll move immigrants in there or people who um, who they don't want to house elsewhere. So they're kind of used as a kind of, of, of as a kind of, they have been at times used as, or seen to be used, the perception is that they're used as a, a kind of dumping ground for for of 
for people that no one else yeah. wants or that no other areas want. So mm. that obviously feeds into a kind of narrative that's, that's part, I guess, a narrative that's partly true and partly, obviously, for lots of people who, who live there and still feel feel proud of where they live, it's partly not true, but it's all part of a bigger a bigger picture of the kind of historically and currently that's kind of gone on, kind of enhancement on kind of politically and socially and economically, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. When, I mean, when it, when it started to turn here in the kind of 80s and 90s, obviously when people lose their jobs and lose hope, I mean, there was enough. I mean, there were, I mean, you know, Glasgow's been prone to the odd, the odd drink or so anyway. But when you lose hope and you and you feel that you've got less to live for, I mean, it, you know, it sounds like a bit of a cliche, but it's true. You know, you'll turn to, you'll turn to other ways to escape mm-hmm. um, your reality. So these places were kind of ripe for drug dealers to to move into, and you know, and people will drink more, and then more crime does happen, and you know, and it, and it's, it's a kind of it's a self kind of becomes at that point a kind of self fulfilling prophecy, you know, and, and yeah. it, you know, it's a kind of that kind of a, a domino effect, but it wasn't always like that. And obviously there are a lot of great community kind of startups and projects and people are trying to kind of change that, but it's, it's, it's tough, you know, it's, it's really tough. But I mean, in, the, in Australia, were the, the ones you were talking about, were they purpose built or were they initially, did they have the same kind of, uh, you know, were they, were they initially looked on as, as places people wanted to live or or were they purpose-built to house people you know essentially what what they did was they had a lot of slums and they essentially cleaned up the slums because the slums were places where people would you know there was a lot of drug taking there was a lot of alcohol there was a lot of crime and they kind of cleaned up the slums and said you know now you're going to live in these you know nice apartment buildings and we're going to put you all in there so they cleaned up the slums and put up you know literally 30-story brutalist russian style apartment Mm. buildings and put everybody in there and I think that the you know the intention was probably right but the execution was completely wrong because you put you know a whole lot of people together in a small area and it doesn't solve any problems it just kind of confines no, problems no no so, yeah 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 and that's kind of different from the Glasgow situation because when they put people in there who were um on the whole hard-working people who had jobs and mm. they just wanted decent they just wanted somewhere decent to live and so at first it it worked, you know, um, but then obviously, as we say, as I was saying, these other th- factors kind of took over, and and then it started to break down. Yeah. But I mean, if you just, I mean, obviously, if you just, if you, if you move a whole load of people who have social and economic problems already from mm-hmm. an area, and then just stick them in a big building, it becomes almost like a, a prison, doesn't it? I mean, it's just, yeah. um, it's the recipe for uh, disaster, really, if you don't tackle the root, the root causes you know what was there in the first place yeah that's it exactly yeah cool i guess that's a starting point to move on to your debut novel the voids which i loved reading your unemulator is living in a condemned block of flats like the ones we've been speaking about lots lately and the book is told in like these little vignettes and your character kind of traverses like the general shittiness of his life but do you want to tell us a bit more about your central protagonist and i guess that structure of your book yeah, well, essentially, the 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 the, the narrator is a well, twenty nine year old. He's just about to turn thirty year old. Young man, would you, would you call a thirty year old a young man? I always, yeah, I think so. Just to call him, well, yeah, we can, we're we're yeah. old now. We can call him a young man. Yeah, I can call a thirty year old a young man. So this yeah. young man, yeah, who's who's put it in a really kind of 
flat, kind of blunt way, hit on the hard times. He's like just kind mm-hmm. of falling apart. He's he's um, his relationships falling apart, and his his jobs. He's losing his job, and um, basically he's kind of basically his world's falling apart. His own personal world's falling apart. Um, while he lives in this condemned high rise, so his world, his world is falling apart. While the world around him is 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 physically falling mm. apart, kind of thing is you know. So the kind of his his outer world, the landscape that he lives in, mirrors his inner world, and and vice versa. And it's kind of his. It's really, I guess, the kind of a kind of story of his journey um, through both his own inner landscape and the the physical landscape that he inhabits um i'm not i mean it's not it's not uh it's you know it's certainly not a, uh a redemptive novel or, or a, a novel where he kind of you know where all is well in the world at the end when they're giving anything away but it's uh, you know he, he is on a a journey towards some kind of understanding, a kind of spiritual journey, really. I mean, that's really at the heart of the novel. It's in the rears on a spiritual journey towards an acceptance of of who he is and his place in the world, whatever that may, whatever, however that may fall. You know, um, uh, an acceptance of life and an acceptance, perhaps, of the inevitability of 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 death. You know, mm. um, so and that's and that's. Yeah, so that, that it kind of takes place and and with the high rise and and, and yeah, these places as a, as a kind of the background to that almost a kind of Tarkovsky and kind of stalker like background yeah. to to this yeah to this inner turmoil that he's dealing with and 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 working through a kind of you know it's, it's haunted a past that's haunted him his whole his whole life is it's because these kind of black dogs have finally caught up with them and he has to mm. he has to to deal with them basically so he, yeah i guess like one of the things that really stood out for me in this book was the i guess the the funeral of the character's father and i think at the time you know he can't he ends up not making the funeral kind of thing but like i think that was like mm-hmm. a really like in terms of like an emotional depth of this book like i feel like that really hit home for me like where you know this character's kind of realizing his i guess his flaws or his you know inability to do things and you know all of those factors that impact his life and like I found that quite like like quite touching quite emotional within the book as well I kind of wanted to I guess touch back on on the fact that I think this book is like it felt personal reading to me but I know that like there's a lot of aspects of the book that that are personal to you do you want to tell us a little bit more about the personal aspects of the, the book well there's a kind of there's a there's a there's a strange, well, I guess I say strange, man, not that strange, but um, a vaguely interesting kind of personal aspect to the to the even the kind of the genesis of the book, in the sense that um, without getting into the actually ha- the heart of the book, just the, the what surrounds the book um, and how it kind of came into being, um, trying to be as brief, brief as possible, not not, not bore you, but um, the uh, about, about around about ten years ago now, I had a. I guess what you would call a kind of mini breakdown. Um, lost uh, kind of my, my long-term relationship broke up. I uh, lost my home, my job. I, I became essentially became homeless. Uh, not essentially, I did became, became homeless. Um, 
And about that, just before that time, I had started to write a novel. I'd only written about 30 or 40 pages of it. Um, and this was about a, a, a young man who lived on the 14th floor um, of a high rise, um, of a condemned high rise, actually. And in this high rise, in, this, in the novel, um, it was, it was, a, it was fiction. It was pretty much purely fiction. There was elements of my own life were going to bleed into it, but it was it was fiction. And in this novel, the, the the central character who did have a name, his name was Patrick. He he was tired of being in the high rise and was desperate to get to get out of the high rise. Hated the high rise, and he meets this this uh, uh, young woman who lives in this hotel. It's based on a, a hotel in Glasgow, once famous hotel called the George hotel and he moves out of the high rise into the into the into the hotel with this with this uh girl that was that novel so I've written the 34 pages of that novel and then became homeless um and did the usual thing of like couch surfing and you know stayed in a few host stayed in hostels which were really quite um uh, brutal um and it was quite it was it was quite quite a difficult situation. It was quite a difficult time for me, and the only place I could really that I had uh, uh, I could go back to and, and, and stay for any length of time um, was my mother's my mum's my mum stayed in a really small flat in Falkirk, in a small town where I was I was born, um, but there was a spare room, a small spare room, and so I went back I went back there um, to stay. However. You know, there's all the things that kind of ghosts that have been haunting me that precipitated this kind of um, um, kind of mini breakdown. That that that, that was a really had been a long time in the making. There'd been there'd been hints of it and points where I'd almost went over the edge before, and then this time I really went over the edge. But all the things that kind of driven me there and had been in the background for years, they were all. They were all back home. They were all, all in Falkirk. <laughs> That's where I came. They were all. They were all where I came from, and so going back to Falkirk was probably the worst thing I could have. I could have done. Um, and so after a month or two of being back there, I really desperately had to <laughs> had to get out of there. Um, but with nowhere to go, all I could do was um, apply to housing. Apply for a, a housing association flat, and I applied to. I don't know how many housing associations there are across Glasgow. There's a good few of them. Maybe say there's 13, 14. I applied to all of them and was only offered uh, one flat by uh, one flat, full stop. No other one, one housing association offered me one flat. And that one offer was on the 14th floor of a high of a high rise. And um, by complete and utter bizarre kind of coincidence. Um and I almost never, I almost didn't move in, but a friend of mine convinced me, this, like, so, like, you need a base. Um, you should move in. And, you know, so I did. Um, anyway, so I did, I moved in. And then within about a couple of months of moving in, a letter came through the door to see the high rise was condemned. So all of a sudden I'm living in the floor of a, a condemned high rise, which is exactly where my, my character was in this, in this novel. However, I finished that novel as I'd envisioned it. Um, uh, at the at at the time, and in the novel, yes, as I, as I just touched on, he leaves a high rise, moves into the hotel with this 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 girl, um, and but in in, in this in the novel, uh, I have the 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 owner may or may not be the devil, 
I have I, I resurrect uh, Oscar Wilde, Alistair Crowley, all sorts of figures because some famous figures really did live in this hotel. Yeah. But I took it one step further and had them all um, and oh, coming right. back and coming and coming in and out of the the novel. And I wrote about the first hundred pages and I gave it to the guy who was making an agent at the time, and he he loved it and. We both had, you know, I was up in the high rise. I was desperate to get out. He had stuff going on in his life. So he took it at the time, I think, which is quite unusual to a publisher just with a hundred page to get a few publishers, um, big publishers. And they absolutely adored it as well. Um, they thought it was, yeah, I, mean, I won't kind of make comparisons and mention other writers, or, but they were very excited about it, really excited about it. Um, and as I say, we were both in certain places, in certain places in our life. And he was, I was desperate to kind of. I, at this point, I was kind of really quite needed to get out of the high rise for different reasons. And um, he had other stuff going on. He went to kind of get the kind of the deal tied up, and basically said to me, um, "You know, I've never had a response from this from a, a finished book that not that the publishers like, like let alone a, a, a hundred pages." Yeah, a hundred okay. pages of that not even really been edited. You could write anything. You're going to you're going to get a deal here. It's going to be a good deal, and everything's going to be sweet, sort of thing. And he meant it in the best possible. He meant it in the best possible way. He's a great guy. He was. He really believed in my work, and I wanted to believe in him, believing in, in me. You know, it was that kind of way we kind of fed into each other that way. So I basically just I I, I finished the book. To, I don't know how long. It was about two hundred eighty pages. So I wrote the next hundred eighty pages very quickly. Flung everything in there. And really, it was an absolute um, disaster. The next, the all when when I, the, the finished the finished novel was 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 poor. It was really poor. And he went back to the same people, and they were like, "Wow, what what is this? This looks like it's been written by two different <laughs> two different people. Mm. This is not what we expected at all." And it wasn't. It wasn't. You know, I should have known better. You should never. You should never put work out that you're not hundred um, percent sure of. And I was. I wasn't even sixty percent sure of this this work, um, although I did think that, and this was his thinking as well. Listen, we know it's not what you can do. However, it's, you're going to get a deal anyway, and then you mm. can you'll get a good editor, and you can flip it into shape when it comes the time. But you know, it didn't work. It didn't work, and we drifted apart. And I stayed in the high rise for a little while longer. And um, then other things were going on in my life. My mom became unwell, and blah blah blah. And I just had to I had to get out of the I had to get out of the, the high rise, and so I did get out of the high rise. But essentially, I was homeless again. I was homeless again, mm. and back, um, uh, kind of couch surfing, and I made a stab at kind of rewriting it, and it, it wasn't. I was. It was like it was like trying to. I mean, I was like, um, um, you know, I was like Frankenstein. You know, trying, trying mm. to resurrect it. the monster, and, and what came to life was just this. It was even more unholy. unholy. An unholy mess and what I went to the to the to the publishers to be honest with you and um, so one morning I at 6 a.m while rather drunk I, I erased the the copy off my laptop and I had a hard copy that I used to edit because I like to edit from a hard copy um, and I took that into the park and and just threw the novel away Um that was it gone Um or so I thought uh, and then uh, about, what, what now, about six, seven years ago, 
I uh, was awarded, I think, of the next chapter award uh, through the Scottish Book Trust. And with the aim of, my aim was to, to, to write a, a novel. And um, I actually, I haven't mentioned this to anyone before. <laughs> it's the first time I've said this. I said I had a good chunk of the novel written. Um, I didn't. I was just. It was just. I was just bullshitting basically because I really wanted to the money and I wanted to kind of, kind of kickstart things again. Yeah. And so after when I got the award and it was through and it was down to getting the work done, I went. I started like. I mean, I've got. I've got boxes of poetry and suitcases full of work and stuff. I've got lots of stuff from over the years I've written since I was, you know, since I was a teenager. Um. Yeah, I had my first novel accepted or first book accepted when I was about 19, 20 years years old, and that's a whole other story so I've been writing for a long time so anyway I find looking through the work I found about 30 pages of the original the original the original novel I think the last working title of it was Blip um, I think and it was like 30 pages of scattered notes and from those notes was born the voids as it is now but now instead of it being a, 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 a work largely of fiction it was really I guess the, the a kind of an autobiographical novel that kind of that really spoke of and about my journey while being in the high rise and what had taken taken mm. me there in the first place. So this book that had become that started off in a very early kind of um, in, a, in, a, in a very early kind of vision as a, as a work of fiction had had come to become a, a work a kind of autobiographical novel having you know started to write a novel about someone who was living in the 14th floor of a condemned high rise and then suddenly find myself living in the 14th floor of a condemned high rise that was a very long answer to get to the question you to be honest like that was probably like the best answer you could have given because that just really touched on so many points of your writing process and how this novel came to be so that was a brilliant answer thank you Thank, thank you, thank you. Sorry, I don't know if you're going to ask a question. If you want me to keep blabbing on here, but yeah, I, w- I was going to ask a question because I feel like that I want to take you back a little bit because, like you were talking about your, you know, novels when you were 19 and things like that. But I want to take you back about like how you started this journey writing because it sounds like you've been on it for such a long time and we're seeing this debut novel, you know, 30 years later, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So I want to hear about how you came to writing and how how this process started for you. Well, this would really, this would really kind of, uh, I guess, um, touch on my kind of gateway books and my kind of gateway moments. I guess I could, I guess I could kind of give you a gateway, kind of gateway moment. I mean, how far do you want me to go back? Do you want me to go right back to, like, yeah, right into right. childhood or? Yeah, sure. I, I, yeah, I can, I can do that. So, so I can get that because I, because I knew that kind of the gateway question was coming. So. I can leave the kind of gateway books aside. There was just like one really in a, in a poem. But before there was gate, there was a gateway moment that I was going to mention before I talked about the gateway book, but I could talk mm. about the kind of gateway moment here. And really it goes right back to when I was about uh, five, six years old. Um, um, my parents divorced when around about that time. And I, I kind of, we got caught um, in that, me, I've got two brothers and a sister, and me, and my brothers in particular, because my sister's a little bit older. But um, or you know, me, and my 
the brother just is just my the sibling that's just a, a little bit older than me. We got caught in this particularly badly, but so the, my, my my me my basically me and my brothers. But the thing of where you're, um, you know, shuttled from from house to house. Mm. Um, you spend sometimes with your mom and sometimes with your dad and blah blah blah. And and my dad liked the novel, like like the 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 father of the the, the narrator of the novel. My dad was mm. a a cabaret singer, um, a singer, and quite a successful cabaret singer um as those things go but he, um so when we spent when we when we stayed with him um we'd often be left alone certainly we'd often be left alone all day and most of the night sometimes overnight um because he would be down in england singing or he'd be wherever you know doing, doing his doing his thing and so me and my brothers would be left alone or I would be left alone with one, one of my brothers. Um, and the house was really just, the house was just like a, it was a, it was in a, a, a housing estate in Falkirk called Middlefield. That I always thought went by the, the, the kind of nickname Chinatown, which I loved. But I'm not, I'm not sure now if that Chinatown was actually right next to it or it was Chinatown. But anyway, it was an area in Falkirk. And we had this, this house and it was, but there was nothing. I mean, there was nothing in it because my dad, had, you know, was just after the divorce. It was basically there was the basics in it. And mm. um, although there was a record, an old style record player, you know, the kind of old ones that look almost like sideboards. Yeah. And you open the top up, and the records. We had an old brown one, and that was that was because my dad was being a musician. As a guest, maybe music was an, an important thing to him. Um, although there was only one, although as I recall, <laughs> a few records apart from what I'm about to touch on here. So. Basically, I spent a lot of that. The reason I've kind of painted that picture there in that way is I spent a lot of that time in the house in my own head, really, you know, because there wasn't really much there and there was no nobody there really um, with us. I didn't really have many friends there. I had one or two friends, but um, we hadn't, we didn't, we hadn't been born there. We just, my dad had just got a house there just to give us somewhere to put a roof over our head, I suppose. So, yeah, so I spent a lot of time on my own and the only things I can really remember finding there of any kind of of any kind of interest, there was well, one particular obviously I would probably never forget, but was a, there was a book I remember, the life and times of uh, Davy Crockett, <laughs> you know, king of the you know king of the wild frontier. And it was just an old, it was an old, um, it was just a bit, it was just a kind of A four kind of glossy, an A four glossy book, and. Um, a glossy kind of kids book and that kind of gave me very early on a kind of a, a sense of adv- adventure and a feeling that I wanted to to strike out and escape kind of uh, the world in which I, I lived in and again it also I, I did, I did I take it you know I think of my writing I go right back to that book not the writing I can't really remember in the writing of the book the writing I'm sure wasn't very good at all but you know that book, and also there was that which I was talked to, we touched on earlier when I was talking about the the uh, Buddy Holly song. It's raining in my heart. There was a box set of Buddy Holly records with the sleeve notes and all the lyrics, and I just read them. You know, I was what I was five six years old, and from five six year old I can still remember and sing the song. You know, it's, it's raining in my heart. I, I mean, I learned the, the lyrics of so many Buddy Holly songs at six at six years old. So there was the there was the the kind of life and times of David Crockett, the book, the 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 the, the Buddy Holly box set, but, but also 
another thing that my father showed me my father showed me um um my father showed me once and it was a strange it was a tr- strange really strange moment there was no he put no context around it he didn't try to make a big thing about it it, it was just something he showed me and it was put away and that was it but it had a profound effect on me and he because one day he, he said son I have something I want to show you and he pulled down a kind of ladder from the loft when you can fold down ladders we went up into the loft and he just unfolded a piece of cloth and inside this cloth was a gun and he showed me this gun he didn't really say anything about it he let me hold it for a few seconds and and then that was it he just took it off me wrapped it back up in cloth and and um, back up into the, the loft it went and I never saw it again I wasn't allowed to you know I didn't go up there trying to shoot it or look for it again or but you know I had it had a, a profound effect to me though those the, those bloody it just sounds bonkers I suppose but that David Crockett um that David Crockett book the 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 buddy Holly songs and my father showed me the gun that that early age and and that and, and the, the the time I spent in that place in that house and, and in that area largely just wandering around on my own in my head um when I think of writing I go right back to that that time and I know that the the wellspring and my need to nudge to write to for whatever reason um I'm still kind of fathoming that reason probably myself goes right back to to that to that moment um and it's funny that there's a there's a there's a there's a but that time sorry that period there's a, a samuel beckett poem and i always think of it when i think of this time um called the ancient uh, tear i'll read it i'll read it just because it's 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 like it's it's there every time i think of yeah, i think of that 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 time and it goes it goes right back to i won't read the whole poem but i'll read the verse i, I would i've got, I've got I could read verse that kind of really kind of stays with me and kind of expresses a, something deep within me that kind of that put me on this writing, this writing journey. And um, so this is ancient here by Samuel Beckett. And it says, why do I, why do I feel the dropping thus uh, tear after tear, of some exo- exhaustless spring of tenderness, some indefatigable vein of grief? Who knows? It is not I, but those who were my sad progenitors. It is my race, the afflicted spirits, the flagellated flesh, age-long panting after the impossible, mystic hopes, sudden and unbridled melancholy, ineffectual and savage anger. In me, at my begetting, human suffering left its mark. Its cries, its blasphemies, its supplications. It is my heritage that weeps, my heritage in the depths of my soul the grief of my ancestors and my heart collects as in a chalice, tear by tear. And um, I think of that poem in that verse in particular, every time I think of that time and it kind of somehow expresses something that I've kind of, I guess I've lived with and, and tried to, to express or, or be on a journey of trying to express as a writer for um, quite a long time. Sorry, I've kind of went off piece a wee bit here. I've got probably got a bit, a bit dark and a bit, a bit heavy on you there. Sort of. So, so, I, I think that might be the 
best answer to that question I've ever had. So, yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Thank you. Got a poem as well? Viral one, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess moving back... Yeah, I'm on... a happy guy. Honestly, I'm genuinely happy. I'm genuinely happy person. <laughs> but... I think I think that that one of the I guess one of the keys to this book like that I found is that there's so much personal stuff that goes into it and so much and it's not it in a way I don't find this a dark novel like I don't find this like a depressing novel I find there's depressing aspects to it but um essentially I think there's a lot of hope in this novel there's a lot of really I hope um, so yeah it's full of hope I yeah. Think, yeah I guess when when I hear about Glasgow novels sometimes you know, you do think about the down and out Glasgow kind of novel, mm-hmm. which I kind of hate because I think it's a cliche, but I think this book is not that. And it, it is a hopeful novel. I think it's got a lot of touchstones with other works. I was just going to say, kind of, I guess, which does touch on another, one other book it touched on, um, which is I'm not making any comparison whatsoever at all between the two books, but I guess I tried to do something similar to maybe what Alistair Gray did with, Lanark and and not not reimagine Glasgow, but see Glasgow through, you know, mm. see a see a see a see the city through, um, um, a, a different lens, um, and yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, with regard, I was just one thing I was just going to say with wow, a, I'm in my loft, and a big massive beautiful butterfly just came in there, um, through the window, um. There, there, there are, there, you know, obviously there's a lot of alcohol and drugs in the novel, but one thing I would say that I mean, it's, it, it, essentially, you know, it's, it's a, the, the, the narrator's on a, on a spiritual journey, and for me, you know, the novel is a kind of shot through with the kind of Catholic mysticism, and the mm. narrator has a, a relationship. As I did in my own life with 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 drugs and and alcohol, kind of akin to a, I don't know, set this maybe certain indigenous community communities in 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 South America the way they take psychoactive substances to mm. commune with the, the spirit world spirit world and um, um, access um, different realities and actually. Sorry, I hope I'm not too digressing from you touched on things, but it's just something I'd kind of be like to get across about the, the, the drug aspects of it. I mean, it's not, this is not, you know, it was never, it's not a novel about addiction or a, 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 a comment on the state of the nation's drug and alcohol problem, because it's, which is, which is quite ma- major, not at all. It was a very personal, a very personal novel. And, you know, out with the kind of, I guess, focus for me of a focus, and this is going to sound really, really, really kind of bizarre, you know, where, where's he coming from? Where's he coming from here? But I will explain it. It, it ties into my, my past as well and the kind of autobiographical nature of the novel. But I had in mind as well when I was writing it, the the the, the certain class of a, uh, <laughs> it's like this, this is bizarre, but a certain class of a uh, uh, Viking warriors. And there was the berserkers and the Ulfhanders, Ulf, Ulf I think they were, I pronounced that properly. And they were, they were, especially the, the Berserkers, less of the Ulfhanders were, uh, uh, they were like, they were like the kind of, they were like the, the, the I think they would say to be the kind of equivalent of 
they, they were the, the kind of Viking SAS. However, they were they, they were they were shamanic warriors. I mean, you know, psychoactive sub, sub, substances and and drink was was a daily. It wasn't. It was a it was a way of life for them. A way of life for that for them to connect with the spirit world and to commune with the dead and also travel through time and all you know all sorts of of of, of uh, mystical uh, to sort of mystical ways of of life and in, in, in the spirit world and I mention this um because when I was a uh, when I was younger between the ages about six and seven um ish I hallucinated um regularly um for for over about a year I didn't have temperature there was nothing wrong with me I just kept hallucinating I was seeing seeing things visions hallucinations whatever you want to call them um and one of the one of the the, the visions I had on hallucinations I had on, on several occasions was of um I remember in my in the house we lived if it was a flat actually in Falkirk when I was younger and um of being chased down the hallway. I mean I can see this Ben honestly I can see this like it was yesterday. I can see the the, the steam coming out of the horses nostrils were these Vikings basically chasing me down on horseback, mm. chasing me down the hallway of my child my flat of lived in with my mum and my stepfather um of my my childhood. Um and I can see it, I can see it, yeah, like I say, I can see it like it was it was it was yesterday. So I had these visions and these visions were I ended up coming to go as a child psychologist. I was taken out of school for a year, I had to go as a child psychologist, and the visions were basically talked out of me. But what I realized later on um in life was that these visions were uh what I went through them was an essential essential part of me. Um and in my own life, and this comes through in the novel, I, I kind of tried to, I wanted to get back to those visions. I wanted to get, in order to heal myself and to understand myself, I wanted to get back to the person that had, that had experienced these things mm -hmm. and had experienced them without, experienced them in a natural state, state, I suppose. I mean, I saw others, I saw angels, I saw demons, I saw all sorts of things, and I wanted to experience that again. And in my own life, as the narrator does in the novel, I started to try and drink my way back to that place or to to take drugs in order to get back to to that place so the drugs and the alcohol in the novel they're 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 quite they're used in a quite a specific way and they're 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 they are there for a particular a particular reason um mm. that is very that is very personal to me um sorry i hope you don't mind me interjecting with that kind of no. That explanation there, just where we were, kind of close to that that subject. Yeah, it's so yeah. funny you say that because, uh, like, I think that one of the places your book took me was back to uh, Under the Volcano by Malcolm Lowry, and I think the the references to his book in your book, th those factors where you know he's trying to access something that is subtextual, that is supernatural, and things like that, I think is completely in line with your work. So. Like it's a great interjection. It's a great um, way to talk about your book as well, because I feel like that is completely in line with with what you've achieved with this work. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean that I mean that's a masterpiece. Obviously, it even can come even be mentioned in the same um, sentence is amazing and um and completely humbling and very slightly embarrassing. But you know that that was a novel that was given to me for my nineteenth birthday by a friend of mine, and it just completely. I read it when I was nineteen years old, and it just blew me away. I mean, it was mm. just amazing. I mean, if there's obvious, there's, there's the uh, the vision and the language and the depth of it gets you immediately. But what I really tapped into immediately, and this was actually before I'd read anything about, because uh, I read it kind of straight away before I knew much about it. I, I didn't know anything about Malcolm Lowry probably at the time, and I hadn't read his letter to Kate to, that he sent to you know, Jonathan Kate, the famous letter, and so I haven't read any of the kind of background mm. of the novel. But that, that and immediately without even really knowing how to articulate or understand what was going on, that kind of the dark occult undertone just got me yeah, straight straight away I just got that there was something very uh, you know powerful and uh, that I that I could completely identify with at work mm. here. And so yeah, I did I did that was definitely I mean that's one of them that's that is well that's the main influence on um the voids. Um I had it in the room when I was writing, I never opened it because I didn't want to I was you know, I wanted to be like um to to influence the bit. I just wanted to be influenced by the spirit of it. And I kind of I've read it so often anyway that yeah, there there it is. But yeah, the void that the, the under the volcano is is the kind of I guess the 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 if there if I could say there's an influence that would be that would be that would be it. Yeah. Yeah. One of the yeah. main ones anyway, yeah. The yeah, spirit certainly. of the novel anyway. Obviously it's very different than you know, he's, he's, it's on a different, completely different level, of course. Mm. But yeah, it's a, 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 an, an element of the spirit of it would be, would be yeah, I tried to imbue it with that, yeah. Well, yeah, you've definitely got that spirit in the book. And it is it is completely different, but the spirit, like for me, was there. And um, yeah, I really felt that in the book. So well done. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's, that's, that's great to hear. I want to mention your publisher, Scribe, who they're, you know, they're founded here in Australia, have, you know, obviously London, uh, London office as well, but how was the process mm-hmm. working with, with them and how did you hook up with them in the first place? Well, initially um, I was taken on by, by just my agents in the book and, it was, and, the, and, it, and the, the, their editor at the time, Philip Gwynne Jones, who went on to be, Take charge at Picador. Um, just loved the book and 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 um, and took me on. And there was a kind of discussion and an opportunity to move to Picador, but I decided to stay with Scribe because I wanted to stay with an independent mm. um, publisher. And um, his publisher doesn't mind me calling calling her this, but I mean it's in the best possible way. But his kind of protege uh, Molly Slight, who took over there. Um, also took over as as my as my editor, and I mean she's just she's been she's just been great. She's just really really supportive and open minded, and got the work and loved the work, and they've just been you know it's been it's been it's been great, and I definitely think I made the right choice. You know, not to to I mean it was never you know it might not have been I mean, I think all things things can happen and get in the way, and it might never. I've moved, but definitely for me, I made the right choice not to to go with the huge kind of. I think they're, you know, they're an imprint of Pan McMillan. It wasn't 
mm. it wouldn't have been a, I don't think it would have been I'm glad I didn't I didn't go and scribe yeah scribe have been have been great um yeah I would say not not making a I sound like a total wanker here but um the, the I think the voids is their is their the biggest selling debut they've put the published so I guess yeah. they're going hopefully they would be quite quite nice to me the the <laughs> the, the, the hardback sold out so I mean it wasn't a huge print run because it's not a huge publisher but it was a good a decent size and the hardback sold out and they've really kind of got behind behind me in the in the in the book yeah so they've been they've been great I couldn't have I couldn't be at a better I found a better home I don't think um, it's been good I've not been yeah. out, asked out to Australia yet that would be nice I'd like to but, oh yeah. please yeah so it's been if you if you come here, I will definitely take you out. So yeah, we'll go and like you probably do better at taking me nice sightseeing places than I could recommend. <laughs> yeah, for you. Yeah, that would be good. I would like that. That would be lovely. Yeah. Perfect. We'll skip Melbourne, Melbourne, right? Because that's where they head. Yeah, but we'll skip Melbourne. We'll go to Sydney. Yeah. yeah, we'll skip Melbourne. We'll go to Sydney okay. instead. I think I've got an aunt in Sydney somewhere, so I could look her up as well. That would be good. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, I've go. only been to Perth. I've been to Australia once. I've been in Perth. But right. that's uh, the only place I've been. Yeah, yeah. They're a great kind of mid-sized kind of indie publisher, and they're just yeah. It's been it's been a good move for me. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, I want to ask you if you're working on anything at the moment, and that you can tell us about. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I won't go into I won't go into uh, too deeply, but I am I am working on a novel. It's a kind of it, it um, starts off as a, a case of mistaken identity, kind of. Then kind of moves into a, a kind of dark phase of kind of duplicity, and then kind of spins out into a search for an embalmed corpse that has a a, 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 a very sacred object in its in, in its pocket. This embalmed corpse has in, in, in his pocket um, that. The central character wants to find in order to to unravel his 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 his, his life and, and kind of understand the, his place in the universe, so to speak. And that's that's a kind of uh, that's a that's a, a, a very condensed <laughs> version of what okay. I'm working on at the moment. If that's yeah. a blurb, I'm buying it. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm. Mean, you know. With with the voice, I really it was a very personal book, and it, and it, and I can I, I mean no disrespect to the book at all, and and I'm not meaning to. I'm very very proud of it, and not trying to do it down at all. But as a book that um, all all if things had turned out differently, I would have written maybe ten years ago. Mm. And with the next book, I'm really going to let go more and explore and 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 be you know I'm not, I'm not be more experimental no but just go deeper um and yeah i said yeah, yeah. let fly a little yeah. bit yeah yeah that that's one thing that david kenyon was telling me like when i spoke to him that he was saying that there's 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 a couple of books that he had to write like he literally had to write them and then the other books were just you know there were books that you know that he wants to write so i feel yeah. like this this maybe the voids was a book you had to write and you know and the rest will be books that yeah, will be yeah more yeah. creative. I mean, I, and, yeah, yeah. I mean, I wanted to write it, and I, you know, but just I, just that I would have written it before now and moved, mm, yeah. maybe on a little bit. But life, life, life gets in the way, and you just you, you do what you've got to do, and you, it comes, it comes, and maybe it's come at the right time. I don't know. So yeah, um, you know, I had that book 
mentioned to touch on I, I could have offered to publish when I was 20 and I think I would have got whenever it was 1920 I think I, I would have got carried away with myself I probably wouldn't have been have a chance I probably wouldn't have been here now if I had any success mm -hmm. at all at 20 19 years old yeah. Not, not, not me. Yeah. But. Cool. All right. Let's move on to your gateway books. What were some of the books that opened the doors of literature for you? Well, around that, around the time I was talking about uh, with 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 you, I'll just kind of I'll just quickly kind of uh, recap a little bit of that time when I was talking about when I was like six, 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 seven years old, and mm. parents of divorce and stuff like that. Um. And I'll just kind of, I'll, I guess it kind of explains a little bit more of, of, of uh, a bit more of a background of me and um, what I was trying to express when I was telling you about that. And also it kind of uh, it leads into my, just by chance or fate or coincidence, leads into my gateway book. But my, 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 my father, my father, as I say, was a, as a sink, was a, a, a singer. Um, and we, we, we are a Catholic Catholic family. My uh, grand and grandfather, both from um, Ireland, um, from Donegal, my mm. grandfather. Um, and my dad would, would spend quite a lot of time in America in the kind of 70s and stuff. Um, um, going on tours, which were a bit essentially, you know, I know it's a very contentious thing to say, and I'm not going to get into the, the, the politics of it, especially not someone who was born in Scotland, but he essentially was on, he was on a, a fundraising trips for the, the IRA um, in America. They would get picked up in a stretch limo and get driven around to all these clubs and stuff, and he'd go to Boston and, you know, he had to, he was, he was uh, yeah, fundraising. Um, so, that was a, that was a that was a kind of a big part in the kind of background of of my my childhood and every Sunday we did after chapel or other times we go down but most Sundays after chapel certainly most Sundays we go down after chapel and we go to my gran and and, and grandfather's uh, house and the I mean they were just they were total characters uh, my 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 grandfather's that like, really is. Um, in fact, do I have a photo? I don't know if I've got just if I can see it. I don't know if I have it here actually. It's somewhere about he's he's a spin image of, of Samuel Beckett. I was wow. going to show you it so you could you could you could see that I was telling the truth. Yeah. But um, I'll maybe say maybe I'll, say, I'll 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 scan it and I'll send you a picture of it so you can see you can see it. Um, he's a spin image of uh, uh, yeah Samuel Beckett. They were real characters, my grand and, and grandmother, and we'd we'd go down on Sunday and the. The Irish rebel songs would go on, and my my, my grand would um, my grand would uh, grandmother would sit with a bowl and you know, this armchair, this old kind of smelly armchair. She'd sit with this bowl of raw mince and just with her hands, just take chunks of raw mince and eat the and eat <laughs> eat the <laughs> mince. I mean, they were they were they were. I mean, you wouldn't I, I honestly excuse me. I mean, you would not fuck with these people on a mystic level. I mean, they really believed that they had the gift that they had. The, you know, they they had the 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 second the second sight. I mean, they were these kind of they were these kind of people. Um, very interesting. But that was so that was a big part. Of that kind of like that that kind of I guess I kind of really quite a kind of trouble to as well. Kind of messed up kind of 
Catholic sense of yourself, and, I, and definitely a kind of, kind of mad Catholic, Catholic mysticism um, was 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 instilled in me at a very early age, and made me write for for whatever for all sorts of shit, I suppose. But that takes me on to my first truly kind of uh, gateway book, and it was a book that actually I got a, a girl who. I just got back. She just got back in contact with me recently, bizarrely, because she because she saw about the book, the, the book coming out, the um, the the paperback of the voids, and um, it was W. B. Yeats's uh, A Vision, um, and I got her to steal it for for me um, out of the, the school. I remember the school library. I must have been about fourteen, fifteen years old. Do you know? And I don't have a copy. I don't have that copy anymore. But it was the it was a really really old hardback copy. Which I would love to still have for reasons, for personal reasons, but also it must be. I think it must have been really. I, I was going to say it must be worth a fortune. I'd like to have it, but I did have it, and it was worth a fortune. I should really take it back to to Falker High School. So if any of the teachers, <laughs> I still, I'm so sorry. I wasn't thinking on that level of that back back then, and I would bring it back if I had it. I honestly, I don't have it, but I wish I had it. But yeah, so that the way it's a vision um, has that you know the, the book he wrote uh, with his. With Georgie, with Georgie Hayley's his wife, um, um, when he was kind of dabbling in um, automatic writing, that was. I remember opening that book up in um, in the library at, at at high at high school, and I'll say now I'm still not sure exactly what I'm not sure if he knew what he was what's going on about in the vision, and I certainly didn't know what he was going on about for sure. Then, but there was the illustrations. Um, of, what was this guy's name? I can't remember the guy's illustrations. Now, Luak, I think he Luak or Luak or something. Um, but the illustrations of the Great Wheel and characters and the the poems in it and the 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 kind of the kind of philosophical musings on for history and the occult and the imagination and how all these things kind of. Combine and swirl together, and you put, put through into this 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 book. Really, just 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 grabbed me. It just made it made it made no sense to me, and yet it made complete sense to me. If that makes if that makes sense, mm-hmm. the book just radiated towards me, um, and that I guess like, and that's why I mentioned those stories before, and why it kind of. You, you know, maybe it seemed like I was going off way off piece, but I think I was, I was kind of, I was, I think I was read, I was always ready for that kind of, I was ready for that book, uh, and that book really kind of, really from then I loved poetry. Poetry was my my first love before um, my my first love before before anything else. Um, so there was yes, yeah, so it was W H a vision. It's funny enough, the other the other thing that really like really hooked me was. Which you would say, well, there's absolutely no connection here at all, and there isn't. But there's a poet, but it's a poet, poet that kind of, in a way, kind of been at the more opposite end. And it was um, Robert Service, a uh, Scottish poet, but who spent a lot of time, who moved to, emigrated to uh, Canada, and wrote poems about the Yukon and stuff. And that was the there is a poem, the spell of the the Yukon, which is uh, was then and um, and 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 still probably is going to consider dog rule, but I just absolutely, I loved it. I just loved the, I'm trying to think of, you know, there's a, there's, there's a gold and I'm haunting and haunting. It's luring my aunt, me on as a dream, but it isn't the gold that I'm wanting. So 
so much as just finding the gold and then peace. It's a great big land. It's a great big broad land way up yonder. It's a it's a vastness where silence is least. It's a beauty that fills me with wonder. It's a stillness that fills me with peace. And I just loved that kind of. It was just over the top mm. sense of grandeur and adventure. I mean, he, he wrote. Uh, there's other ones that wrote. I think he called wrote one called the shooting of Dan Dan McGraw, um, and again, it's just, it's that it's a kind of story poem, um, completely over the top, but so colourful. I mean, you could almost imagine you could imagine Tom Waits reciting it. You know, you know uh, with like piano in the background. It's, it's got that you know kind of the bar and the, the kind of smoky atmosphere and the kind of the the crazy characters and yeah. So yeah, so. That Robert Service poem, The Call of the Yukon and W. B. Yeats's A Vision were were yeah, really instrumental and kind of really put me on the the the, the path of um writing. I was always it was always there, I think it was goes right back, as I say, but that was that was that really kind of they they got they both in different ways and from completely different angles, you might say, kind of got got right into me. Yeah. I want to ask you, um, what book is you currently reading or have you recently enjoyed or you're looking forward to at the moment? Um, books that I've current that I've read recently and really liked were uh, 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 there was Pog Mahone, Patrick McCabe's yeah. Pog Mahone, which I thought was um, fantastic um, and hasn't yet got the kind of the the credit it deserves. Uh, across here, but I think it will, and I think it'll. I think it should stand. It will stand. Definitely stand. Uh, the the test of time. Um, it's a kind of six six hundred paired page verse. I don't know. Have you have you read it or aware of it? No. Or? So it's been it's been on my radar for a while, and I haven't ordered it yet. I haven't read it yet. Um, but I think that it sounds really like it sounds up my alley completely. But I yeah, I think it would be from what I can gather of the kind of stuff that I've heard you talk about stuff before. Yeah, it's like a 600-page verse novel that tells the story of Dan Fogarty and his, his sister, Una, um, who's now living in a, 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 an old folks' home in, in Margate. And um, it's, it's narrated by Mr. Fogarty. Um, but all is not what it seems in, in a very... <laughs> all is not what it seems at all. Um, and that is, I mean, it's a, it's a, you know, it's, 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 that has got a lot. Of, I mean, I, again, it's right on my street because it's riven kind of supernatural and a kind of a really unhinged kind of uh, Catholic mysticism. Brilliant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. So that's one. That's yeah. one. I, uh, I read Fernanda Melkor's uh, Paradise. I really, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed that. Um, I've not had a chance to read. An awful lot because I've been so kind of um, I've been so busy with my own my own work. But the, but the one book I do want to mention that I read recently that I would urge everyone to buy and that just totally blew me away was a uh, uh, Michael Winkler's uh, Grimish. I mean that is just I mean I just haven't read anything like that in so 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 long. So much so that I never do this, but I was in, I was about 10, 15 pages in. I'd got up about four in the morning. So I don't ask the thing. I don't get a chance because of the kids and my own work. I never get a chance to write. Uh, I sort of read as much as I, as, I, as I would like to. And I got up at four in the morning. I was about 20 pages in and I was just completely, I mean, my jaw was dropping. I just thought, I love, absolutely love this. And I had to send 
who I don't know, but he just we just happened to follow each other on Twitter. Uh, his agent, uh, uh, I just couldn't have. I was like, this is just amazing. Please, if you don't mind me getting in touch, please pass on to to Mr. Winkler. Uh, uh, why? How much I love this book. I mean, I, what? I mean, have you, have you you've read this? You've you've read it? Haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I I, I know Michael quite well. Um, lucky enough to have met him quite a few times now, and. Yeah, the book's ah, okay. fantastic. I didn't, oh, right. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's a meditation on pain, but a meditation on mm. the very nature of existence. And yeah. The cosmos, I just think it's a brilliant. I just think he just, he touches on um, whether he meant to, <laughs> I don't know. He touches on so many things and the writing is so, I just find the writing fantastic. I just thought it was a great mm. book. Yeah. Um, yeah. On so many, on so many levels. Yeah. 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 Completely. Yeah, I don't, right. I don't, I don't um, generally read books a second time straight away but I intend to read that again really mm. quite quite soon yeah yeah so that would be that would be my that would be my my big recommend my big recommendation and the one that I loved recently yeah we'll take a quick break here on beyond the zero and come back with Ryan's top 10 this episode is brought to you by my interview with Kanye West here's a sneak peek also, when you said I hadn't read this book, I actually haven't read any book. Reading is like eating Brussels sprouts for me. Coming soon on Beyond the Zero. We're back on Beyond the Zero. It's time for Ryan's Top 10. In no particular order. And I, I, what I was going to say was, well, I haven't, there are books clearly going to be missing from me. And what I've, what I've done, having kind of listened to a few of the shows, and obviously not just for this, because I listened to your shows, and as I said, as I mentioned, just because there's, you know, they're, they're, they're great shows, which makes it quite daunting to come on, talk to, talk to you, actually. <laughs> um, but I decided as opposed to going for my top 10, because I know everyone says this, and it's true, it changes all the time, and there's so many books that are going to be missing from any top 10 I, I went for a top 10 of when I was younger so I could say they were more of a the, between ages these books I, I read between ages about 16 and 21 and um, all of these books and um, so I kind of put it and I kind of framed it in that kind of a, a time period where I could say that then that was the top 10 of of my books so it's like an, an early an early top 10 and some of them would still be in that top 10 and mm-hmm. my top current top 10 but that was kind of an angle I took in it just as a wee bit point of difference if that's okay if I'm allowed to yeah go for it. to do that so uh, yeah no particular number one would be uh, Celine's journey to the end of the night um obviously slightly controversial considering the, the author who is not you know particularly nice human being certainly had uh, horrendous views but as a piece of work I mean I think it's just it stood the test of time it's just a, a, a stylistic kind of um toured force to 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 maintain that to, to maintain that, that the level of voice and and rhythm and energy it does from almost from the first the first word to the last I just think it was a, yeah fantastic yeah fantastic piece of work and that was a that was a, a, a big book for me when I was younger and and it's a piece of literature I think still yeah still a very a very important book for me so yeah so uh, Celine's journey to the end of the night I'll try not probably not to say too much about it because I mean I'm not I'm no scholar so I'm, there's, there's, there's no point in me rabbiting on about 
about them in a, in a kind of amateurish way. But Malcolm Lowry's under the volcano um, for reasons that we've touched on before. Um, Dostoevsky's The Brothers Karamazov um, really, really affected me when I was young. It was, it was, it was the first novel, strangely, that um, some people might have seen. It made me really, made me cry, actually. <laughs> Um, I cried at Brothers Karamazov. It was um, it kind of made me think deeply on a kind of philosophical and theological level. It really made me think as as an novel, as a novel, and the 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 exploration of psychology and the human psyche. And all. I just thought it was fantastic. So yeah. So Dostoevsky. You, this is this is a this is someone who's a who's a been a constant and a kind of constant influence in the background of my work ever since uh, reading it as as who as a hopscotch. By Julio uh, Cortazar, I think it's just a, um, a fantastic, fantastic novel, and um, for all sorts of reasons. Uh, Franz Kafka's *The Trial*. Um, I loved, and had made a profound effect. I mean, it had a profound effect. I mean, I think worth reading just for the last, the last page, <laughs> the last page alone. It's just a, um, a brilliant final page of a novel. Um, kind of little novella. Um, there was another. This is another kind of. This along with Under Volcano was a big influence in the voids, actually, or or, or something I thought about a lot when I was writing the voids was um, Joseph Roth's The Legend of the Holy Drinker, mm-hmm. um, which is a beautiful little novel. It was posthumously published. Um, he wrote it in Paris really while he was he was drink while he was drinking himself um, to death, literally. Um, and the, but the prose in that is it's. So refined and seemingly simple, um, but contains multitudes. I think, and it's just so, so, so beautiful and special. A really special little book. Yeah, so Joseph Roth's Legend of the Holy Drinker, uh, Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness. Um, yeah, the, 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 I'll, I'll not going to. I mean, the, I mean, the, the, that line, though, you know, the horror, the horror. I mean, it just, I just, yeah. Surely has kind of I mean yeah just one of the most kind of prophetic and important lines I think maybe in 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 Western literature anyway um, especially given I think what was it published in like eighteen ninety nine and the kind of cusp of that century just in so many ways just an important book and a big big important book for me um, John Berryman's The Dream Songs would be there um, uh, Jack Kerouac's Jack Kerouac's On the Road I mean that that's another one that was that was um, instrumental. I, kind of, I wouldn't. Put, I couldn't say it was. It was wasn't a gateway book because it was. It came later. I was maybe. I was 16, 15, 16 when I read um, Kerak on the road, and I don't. I don't know now. I don't know if there's much of Kerak that I've that I've not read. I'm sure there is some. I'm sure there'll be some scholars out there that would say, "Yeah, you've not read this." But I read pretty much on the back of that. I read pretty much everything he he had he had he wrote and. Yeah, I read it when I was about 15, 16, and about a year later, headed to uh, America and travelled all over America on Greyhound buses for for months, um, um, which was uh, quite, an ex- quite an experience and lots of so many kind of wild stories connected to that alone. And that came from reading, yeah, that's so Jack Kerouac's On the Road. And lastly, but not least, but probably I would say Walt Whitman's uh, Leaves of, of Grass, um, which kind of t- Ties into a lot of the stuff that I've said before, and I guess it, that came on the back of the of, of Kerak and getting into the beats and that the you know, whole thing on the back of 
of that. So that that's ten, isn't it? I think that's ten. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Very cool list. What a great book list of books. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was cool when I was younger. <laughs> now I'm just a, a fifty year old pain in the ass. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah. Well. Before you wrap it up, do you want to tell us where we can go and buy The Voids and where we can get in touch with you online? Um, well, um, I'm on Twitter. Um, is, is, uh, I, uh, yeah, I try to be on Twitter. I'm not great at these things. Social media is not really my forte. And that's the only place I am I'm on, online. But you can get uh, you can get me on in, in Twitter, see what I'm up to, up to sometimes. Um, and, I, and I'm open to, to, to DMs if they're nice, if anyone to get in contact with me mm-hmm. should they should they want to um and the uh, the voids is is available basically everywhere you know uh, I, I would encourage you as i'm sure most writers would to get it try and get it through an indie indie bookstore but it is in all the all the usual places you know all the the, the, the chains and stores and amazon and blah 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 so you can you it's, it's available it's available everywhere so yeah the paperbacks mm-hmm. just came out a few weeks ago so yeah the, get a hold of the paperback that would be nice if anyone wants to read it i i really love the book i think it's such an engaging read i highly recommend it congratulations on it it's a great work so well done thank you ben thank you so much thanks once again to ryan o'connor Check out the show notes for all the details. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at beyondzeropod and you can email us at beyondthezeropod at gmail.com. Don't forget to leave us a voice message over at anchor.fm forward slash beyondzero. We'll be back with the next episode very soon. The weatherman says clear today He doesn't know you've gone away And it's raining Raining in my heart Oh, misery, misery What's gonna become of me? I tell my blues they mustn't show But soon these tears are bound to flow Cause it's raining Raining in my heart But it's raining It's raining, raining in my heart Oh, misery, misery What's gonna become of me? Tell my blues they mustn't show But soon these tears are bound to flow Cause it's raining
remaining in my heart.